Hello, I'm Karthik Iyer. Welcome to ESPN Quick Info Stump Mike. As the cricket world settles into their lockdown routines, we thought we'd build one for this podcast as well. Over the next few weeks, we'll go retro and bring you throwbacks of memorable matches, performances and rivalries as remembered by our panel of experts. We'll also have quizzes, debates, stats-based segments for the nerd in you and maybe even a movie review or two. This week we'll do a deep dive into the India-Pakistan rivalry in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s and catch up with Robin Uthappa during this downtime. Over the past week we have gone back in time on Cricket Info to relive some India versus Pakistan World Cup clashes. Sorry Pakistan fans but but we also added 1992 as first on the list of our retro lives. But our focus today will be starting with 1996 and whether that India versus Pakistan clash changed the fortunes for either teams or for both teams. And joining me today are Siddharth Monga from New Delhi. Hey Sid. Hey, hi, hi, Karthik. How are you? How are you in lockdown, Siddharth? Oh, uh, I, I, it just seems to me at times that all my life I've I've spent preparing for this day because I've been working. For- <laughs> Because I've been working from home for the past few years. I've I hardly step out. <laughs> so I'm I don't get the big deal that people make out of being in lock lockdown. It's 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 business as usual for me, except that I have to do a little bit more chores at home, which is a little bit more, not not too much more. So hmm. so the cat's out of the bag for all stump mic listeners that Monga has been at home for the past three four years, and. <laughs> <laughs> From Monga, I'm going to move all the way to London, where we're also joined by Osman Samiuddin. Hey, Osman, have you been Hi. working from home for the past three, four, five years? So I've been, I, I had been working from home for 15 years. Wow. Uh, until <laughs> until I came to London, and then I started going to office, and now I'm actually missing office a little bit. But <laughs> I want to say two things. The first thing is that, yeah, like Monga, I, I was going to say that he basically is. he was created for the lockdown he is <laughs> as people will know of his non-existent social media profile he is basically made for a lockdown so there's no change in his lifestyle i'm looking at him now because we're recording this on skype and he's looking as happy and as content as he's ever looked guys so so that's the first point and second point is i was not involved in any of the editorial decisions in which we ran three back to back india beating pakistan at world cup matches okay <laughs> thanks yeah i will We'll come back to those games. I mean, uh, nobody wanted to do it the way it has turned out. It just, it just so happened. Okay, Osman. So set the stage for us here. Yeah? We're in 1996. It's the World Cup quarterfinals. It's Pakistan, the defending champions, versus India. Yeah. So you know, a, a lot of the story for me of that match is a very personal thing. In that around 96, and I'm gonna. Not that I'm revealing anything about my age, but you know, I, I was in uni at that stage, uh, my my first year of uni, and I, I that was one of the few periods in my life where I was completely out of touch with cricket. So this game was in <laughs> fact the only live game I saw of cricket for two years around that period, and you know, I, I caught up with the rest of those games like in highlights when I came back to Pakistan and stuff. But for 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 two years, this was the only game I saw in in a student hall full of British Indians. And one like myself, maybe who was Pakistani, <laughs> and uh, I, but I, I do remember like following, you know, just following the team through like teletext we had here in England at that time and, and newspapers. And I do remember thinking that 
this 96 Pakistan side, although it had like, you know, good players, it was definitely not as cohesive. And as in its, in its cycle of progression, it was nowhere where the 92 team was, for example. You know, you could tell the 92 team had a good mix of youngsters and, and, and older players and veterans who were still like good. But this 96 team, I just felt like they were, they were missing a few things. And I, I was never convinced about Wasim Akram's captaincy at that stage. Uh, although, you know, he, he had a good spell after this, but I was never convinced about his captaincy. So it, I was kind of following the World Cup and I saw that, you know, they had won all their games, but the important ones against a good team like South Africa and their group games, they had lost. So, you know, I, I was generally maybe not so well informed, but I was generally pessimistic of their, of their options going, of their, uh, prospects going into this match. But but here's the thing, in the four years from 1992 to 1996, in India versus Pakistan clashes, India had never won a single ODI. Also, uh, you weren't convinced by Vaseem as a captain, but he was missing from this quarterfinal clash. And I think we all know what, what happened at the end of the day. So did Pakistan miss Vaseem? How big of a miss was Yeah, I mean, that you know, that was a big thing. I think Vaseem was going through a brief period in 96, 97, when he wasn't what he would be the other side of that and the period mm-hmm. before that. I mean, he was still Wasim Akram, you know, but he had a he had an ordinary tour of England in 96, which they won, of course, and he was captain, but he wasn't great in it as a bowler himself. I think he was struggling with injuries. And this match, you know, okay, so officially, I think the line is that he, he did pick up an injury of sorts in the last game against New Zealand. But, you know, the, the I think what he says was that they were keeping it a secret how, how bad or not the injury was. And I don't think many people realized until he told them on the morning, or, 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 or in the afternoon when they did the toss, until he told them just before the toss that he was going to miss that game. And I think it came as a big shock. And of course, later, you know, in, it, it became part of like this corruption narrative. Uh, but, you know, officially he was out because of that injury. And I think when it happened that morning, when people realized that he's not going to be playing, I think, you know, even though he was in indifferent form, uh, it was just a massive, and I don't remember his figures, but I don't think he had picked up too many wickets in that tournament itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though, you know, it was Wasim because he was still like Wasim Akram, you know, so I mean, it was a, it was a massive, massive loss. If if it was corruption related, I, it was one elaborate setup because <laughs> in, the previous game, in the previous game, which would have threatened their qualification for the knockouts, uh, he didn't bowl yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a day before the game, there was uh, from all. Uh, available records, there, there was no inkling a day before the game that he would not make it. And yeah, I think, you know, in, in his defense, I think that period had become such a paranoid period that any odd thing got immediately like, it came under this huge light of suspicion that, oh, oh my God, this must be that. So I think in his defense and in Pakistan's defense, you know, it, it wasn't that, but I think because of the paranoid period in that time and, and the factions within the team as well, you know, there was a lot of factionalism in that side. Mm-hmm. And I think that just bubbled up into like this conspiracy theory that came out, which has been, you know, denied by pretty much everyone on the record. Yeah, Monga, a, a word on India's India's batting. I think all eyes were on Sachin leading up uh, to the first innings, but it turned out that his opening partner and a plucky middle order batsman who stood up and made it count for India on that day. I guess uh, before we get to India, I just wanted to make one quick point about Pakistan. Sure. Uh, like today, today we uh, a younger audience uh, might not be aware, even aware of a time when you know you were just seeing India win against Pakistan in every World Cup game, and you see that uh, Moka Moka campaign, and 
<laughs> so a younger a younger audience would not even be aware of a time when you know coming up against pakistan was a big deal for indian cricketers and it even if india uh, were in a strong position in a game they never were confident they were always subdued when they played pakistan um, especially in the 90s but at that time the record was very lopsided in favor of pakistan and we know the result of this game but i re- distinctly remember a game a few months or, or in the month after this world cup game it was in sharjah when for the first time in 1996 it was the first time that india ever scored a 300 in an odi Mm. and that was That's a the other game no yeah yes, yes. yeah but he got stuck into atar rahman yeah, yeah. right at the end so that was a game we were like 12 13 year old kids we think hey india scored 305 or whatever 310 runs and we we go out to play in the street because we we are taking a victory for granted but our elder brothers and elder friends who were like 5 6 years older than us they did not <laughs> they they were never convinced that india could win that game until the last wicket had fallen that's okay how but big, that's how big it was to to play against pakistan because pakistan it were never defeated until you had actually defeated them especially in games against india so i'm jumping ahead a bit here so is that why venkatesh versus amir sohel is held in such high regard i think rahul dravid in an interview to us on cricket for itself he's gone out and said that indians were not known to be aggressive on the field particularly against the pakistan side and it was pakistan who were the more aggressive side and it was that's why venkatesh prasad versus then amir sohel the way he got him out the send off that he gave has become etched in stone as this great memory of those clashes Exactly. I mean, uh, you just look at, and I did ball by ball commentary for that game, and you just look at the the confidence Pakistan batsmen had when they came out to chase, which was a pretty stiff target given they had Javed Miyad at six, which he was he was uh, slightly dodgy in terms of uh, his value to the team, and followed by Rashid Latif and bowlers. not even Wasim Akram there. So you they were chasing yeah. a pretty stiff target in 49 overs, and the way Amir Sohel and Said Anwar came out. They they didn't walk out. They strutted out, and every ball from ball one, Amir Sohel was going after the bowlers, and they they completely shut the the crowd. They had eliminated eliminated the crowd as a factor, which was which was a big factor when Pakistan were fielding, and the the crowd got stuck into them. And uh, they went after Shrinath. They went after Prasad. They didn't wait for sighters. They they just showed them we don't respect you. You you guys you guys. Some of the batsmen came out without even helmets. Vakarjun is batted without a helmet. Javed Miyar mm. batted without helmet against India's fast bowlers. They said we don't rate you. They went after everything, and it was beautiful batting too. It was not just you know close your eyes and swing through the line. Said Anwar was I think the best opener going around at the time. and yeah. amir sohel on a, on his day could be could be destructive so that stand was actually you know it had it had taken the sail out of the winds for india but to get that wicket and i <laughs> i don't think it, it was a crap ball <laughs> i don't think it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it it hit the top of off which is a good ball was it top of off yes yes but it yeah it was top of off but uh, it's not a great ball it didn't move it didn't do anything it was it not a slow quick. ball it was not <laughs> it was not quick either because it's i mean it was it was not very clever of amir sohel to as everyone yeah. considered in his walk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i like i think you know we can look back on it now i don't think it's especially accurate but i think like that whole you you can you can put some great symbolism into that moment you know like uh, amir sohel's bluster in the boundary just before and india sort of kind of stepping back a little bit maybe hesitant and then suddenly 
it turns around and the bluster is shown to be completely empty because and it was I mean, a really bad shot. You know, it was a really, really awful yeah. shot. And, and the, the bluster is gone sorry. suddenly. And look at it from the other side. India's Prasad celebration was almost apologetic. It was okay. He did. It did a bit of a send off, but it was not. You know, it was not somebody who was getting back at. You know, it was his own crowd, his own ground. It, it should have been a lot more charged. Yes, basically. it wasn't, but it was still a big moment for India. Yeah, it was a polite point towards the pavilion at the yeah. Chinnaswamy from Venkatesh Prasad. I think Prasad. actually, you know, the the Azhar. The, which that Azhar is like one of the great mini cameos, I think, of all time when he took on Atta. I, I think that moment actually also, just talking about it, it tells you something. Like, here you have Azharuddin, and at the other end you have Atta Rahman, <laughs> who is just like, you know, in, in the annals of Pakistani fast bowling, he's not really up there. Let's, let's, let's be perfectly honest about this. He's not really. And like, you know, you have an equation like that, but you have Azhar who... For whatever he did, you know, one of the finest... Atta wouldn't have played if Wasim had, right? And that that was his first game of the tournament. No, And he was sick. He was sick on the day. He bowled a 10-hour unchanged spell. He got Tendulkar's wicket. He had like a really good day in the field. Yeah. But But, he was Atta Rahman, you know? Yeah, he was not. (laughs) (laughs) Indians are not going to be like, oh my God, Atta is replacing Wasim. You know, who is this guy? He's not even an unknown. He's like, he's been around for a while and he's just not great. He's okay. Yeah. So, Osman, as this, as this kid in uni, you were sitting there, you were watching this game on television and you yourself have confessed that you hadn't followed cricket over the past two years. So, how was that Jadeja innings then? Did it, did it feel like ODI cricket had changed at that point uh, of time when he played that you knock? Know, was I, it an outlier of the knock? Because, you know, I, I wasn't a journalist at the time, so I was trained only to look at it from like the point of view as a Pakistani fan. Uh-huh. And when Vakar started getting hit, it, it kind of, it, it, it fed into my belief, at least, that peak Wakar had, had gone by then. You know, and, and by peak Wakar, I mean like a period from the late 1990, uh, or maybe, yeah, okay, 1990, to about 95. And now remember, he had, I think, two back of stress fractures of the back in this period. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so when he came to Bangalore, already, like, the narrative in my head was that, okay, this is not Wakar Yunus that I knew four years ago. You know, so Jadeja taking him apart was like, okay, it's, you know, it's a bad day because Wasim's not there and India have batted well and Pakistan have kind of held them back in a defensive way, but not really attacked. And so it felt natural that that strategy was shown up at the end by somebody like Jadeja. I, I, like I hadn't seen too much of Jadeja bat. I had, you know, the, the things I had heard about him were that he's a great fielder. <laughs> we hadn't, hadn't really known that he was such a good batsman. And when he tore into him, it felt, and if you look at Vakar's figures, you know, I'm stretching it, I'm stretching his peak to this day. But if you look at his pre and post figures from this match, his career figures, there's a stark, stark difference. Like his strike rate in ODIs is two deliveries slower. His strike rate in tests is like some almost seven, eight deliveries slower. So, you know, there was a big difference. And I think this was, Vakar was basically, he, he had finished. This was not Vakar Yunus. This was Vakar Yunus, Mark 2.0. And there was wow. a Mokar 3.0 that came. So I looked at it from that angle that, you know, okay, Jadeja might be whatever batsman he is, but actually this is more on Mokar, basically. Mm. You know, he was missing his lengths. Uh, Monga, you saw the whole match. You did the comedy. Yeah. He was just missing his lengths. The pace was down. You know, it, it wasn't happening. Yeah, it was not dipping on batsmen, which is the big quality of reverse swing that it dips on you. It, it yeah. wasn't dipping. So you could line, you, you could, the ball was pitching where you expected it initially to pitch. Which is why you could line him up and, you know, go after him. Uh, but for India, it was again one, one big turning point in innings. 
that uh, somebody if india were not known to make 250 what looked like 250 to take it to 280 this yeah. was one of the rare times that india did it and this is where it probably started for india where they found somebody low down the order who could hit and it was it was not such a you know it was not such an outlier in terms of world cricket because i think only recently salim malik had scored 70 of 35 balls against india in a game which which is what no, i no, that was that was yeah. a decade before this by the way wow <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how that's how these were on the commentators Indian yeah. commentators that they brought it up in this game. Yeah, that was a decade before this game. Wow! So, wow. Sunil Gavaskar doesn't forget anything, so he brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> so in India, go on to make 287, and Pakistan now have lost. I think Venkatesh has taken three. There's another wicket has fallen. Pakistan are three down for 130, and at the crease are Salim Malik and Javed Miandad. Now Javed is playing Osman his sixth World Cup, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's playing his sixth World Cup. So was one there one too many? Yeah. <laughs> so, but was there a belief there that this could still be done, or was it? Again, I think like I think you know there's that famous Ram Goha story where he talks about like being at that match and like sitting sitting there and thinking along with some other Indian supporters that you know Salah this match is not over until Miadad is gone. Like mm-hmm. whatever this is, this is a shell of Miadad or whatever, but. it's not over until he's gone because you know such was the impact that miadad had 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 on the indian psyche over the years but again i think within pakistan like that miadad was finished you know this was his first uh, bit of high level international cricket in nearly 2 years the world cup he hadn't had a great world cup uh, and 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 you could see that you know he he was not going to in fact i was resting my hopes more on that little cameo from rashid you know rashid. Rashid, very unlike rashid to hit a four and a six suddenly you think oh my god okay can rashid do something here because i don't think you know javed at the other end and, and salim malik also i think which was building into my sense of pakistan not being that team was that both these guys were past it and wakar was on a downhill curve and you know these guys were the, the the spine of a team over the last half a decade to a decade but these three players were on on the downward curve then so i i felt like okay you know miadad you might think he's there but i never got i distinctly remember never feeling that he was going to take pakistan home at that stage no considering you mentioned salim malik also we'll take this opportunity to plug your piece and cricket info's <laughs> new series to our listeners as well it's called come to think of it usman if you could give everyone a brief of what they can expect from this series and yeah, your it's, it's, it's a little bit like it's a little bit you know we monga in fact started off the series with uh, <laughs> and monga once again Hello, is, uh, is is perfect for this uh, is perfect for this series <laughs> i think he could run it all by himself we were busting busting a few established myths and you know long held truths in cricket so monga started off with that excellent relook at uh, whether south africa were unlucky in that 92 chase in the oh. semi final and it turns out that they weren't of course my piece was on you know malik just remembering him as a batsman more than just you know what he ended up being remembered as which is a, a corrupt kind of cricketer who is banned for life or whatever and you know we'll have more uh, of that kind of stuff but yeah like i say malik by then was also like you know although he had he yeah he just gone past his best years as captain and stuff so i think we were talking about the downward curve of malik by then for sure hmm. and we also need to give the one of our headline writers credit for that what was the headline of the piece osman slim before shady oh yeah that's that's super it was kk in fact karthik oh it was karthik krishnaswamy oh that's that, which is one of the best headlines i think you you don't even need to read the piece once you've seen <laughs> that headline you don't need to read the piece you true, know what it's about true. 
So Monga also wrote an amazing piece from that on Javed Miandad. It was no Monga. And I think oh, it was Monga at his clickbait best. Because <laughs> what he did, what he did was he pulled into the he he sunk sunk into the nostalgia of Pakistani fans. I'm talking about Miandad, and he linked it, of course, to the great clickbait machine of our time, that is MS Dhoni. Monga took oh. it away. He's already he's already moved on as a clickbait machine. It's it's uh, Kohli now. Wow. <laughs> please. That we can all agree on. But... <laughs> so so yeah, the headline of this podcast is going to be Stump Mike Dhoni no longer clickbait and we're going to have so many Koli. hits on it. No. <laughs> That's all we need. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> but I, anyway, I think Monga, yeah. Monga drew some interesting parallels between the two, right? So so first of all, I think uh, if in the in the two or three years before this let's say in his Javed Miyadad's first retirement and his comeback if some other batsman, if if Basit Ali had, you know, grabbed this position, maybe Mamiyadad would not have come back. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he pulled some pretty strong strings, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, political but, strings. By the way, Basit Ali was very much the next Miyadad when he debuted. He was supposed to be the guy who took over. Very similar in style, also to Miyadad. So, and we are coming to the to the parallel then. If if Rishabh Pant had <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, we're doing this. <laughs> we're going there. So if Rishabh Pant had, you know, satisfied the conventional thinking of what a middle-order batsman should be, which I don't agree with, and which is which is the standard he's held to. You don't agree with the conventional standard yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the expectations from Rishabh Pant, the kind of expectations that people have that, you know, you... You we want your 140 strike rate, but please average 50 also. <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> yeah, if, if you can. Yeah. So that's a little unrealistic. So uh, if if he had done that, who knows? Dhoni would not have gone to the uh, World Cup in England. But for me, like a more interesting, a more accurate parallel would have been if if. Coronavirus had not attacked the world, and if we didn't have COVID-19, and there was a T20 World Cup to happen this year's October, Dhoni could have possibly gone there without having played any domestic cricket for a year and having done well in IPL. He could possibly have gone there, which would then have made that identical, you know, progress for mm-hmm. Miyada than Dhoni. It, it could still happen, no? They haven't really said much. I mean, it's an yeah, unrealistic know, but... probably, but. Yeah, it, it, let's, it could. let's be realistic with yeah. these things. Yeah, so, so yeah, so but listener, if you want to check out Monga's piece, go to cricketinfo.com. He's written on Javed Mirandad. Go check out our series, come to think of it as well. But getting back to this match, so India knock out the defending champions. Now, I know the two of you all have some pretty strong opinions on where this took India versus Pakistan cricket. All those teams are separate entities as well. So, Usman, after this, the defending champions were knocked out, Pakistan. Where... Mm. Javed Miranda didn't play an ODI after this. He didn't play international cricket after this. So where did Pakistan cricket head from here? I think they, they, you know, they had a crazy period of about, uh, I would say, three years until like kind of the end of 99, kind of till they lost, when they lost 3-0 to Australia after the 99 World Cup. They had a crazy period where, you know, they had all these allegations of match fixing and corruption. Mm-hmm. They had inquiries happening, like seven or eight of their players. And by the way, just to go back, Basit Ali, in fact, I just remembered now, was probably not part of the 96 World Cup because he had retired in 95 uh, after having alleged match fixing uh, oh. <laughs> taking place. 
but he had played one odi i think after this world cup also so you know he was also like kind of am i retired <laughs> am i corrupt am i not playing whatever anyway so they, pakistan had this crazy period where they were capable of some amazing games and you know wasim was very much at the center of this they, they had the asian test championship which is fondly remembered you know by pakistanis they won they won a tri series in australia uh i think the year after this or maybe two years after this they won a tri series in australia which you know I, i think they were the first asian side to win a tri series there under wasim's captaincy and afridi came afridi came after this tournament you know saklen mustaq blossomed after this razak and azam mahmood so they and in 99 i believe the world cup pakistan was the most talented side that pakistan ever had like you know attacking uh two quality all-rounders uh, saklen a world class spinner uh shoaib akhtar had come in we forgotten him i mean how can we forget forget <laughs> shoaib in this so they had this crazy period where they became and i hate using the word but but they became even more mercurial than you know we remember them this was i think post this world cup is the period that we now picture as the most kind of pakistani period of all you know they could lose crazy games and they could win in the most amazing style like you know, the 99 world cup they were so good and then suddenly in the final they were so bad um so it kind of left them in that where you really didn't know what to expect you know pakistan could really trounce all over you or you could just trounce all over them and that was this period that went i think pretty much until wasim and wakar left which was you know much later the 2003 world cup right but i think as monga was saying the shift was kind of slowly happening in the india pakistan thing through this period as well yeah which which did not have a lot to do with pakistan's deterioration because pakistan only improved and pakistan yeah. i think the big difference between the pakistan 92 pakistan 96 teams and the future teams was azam mahmood and abdul razak which is like yeah. saklen to well. i mean saklen and mushi are they almost cancel each other out but this this i think saklen was a better, was, better odi bowler so eventually saklen i think became a better odi presence than the well, mushi uh, yeah because he could bowl the dusra as in because uh, mushi was the what do they call the point of difference yeah between pakistan and other teams because he was the only risk spinner before shane won anyway yeah. so the big difference was these two all-rounders and with the way the balance started to get redressed was india started to you know india started to improve a little india's fitness started to improve a little there was this guys like shrinath and kumble who don't get enough credit for what they did they they inculcated some fight in the indian team they they ensured there was a continuity you know like this is an example of how of how much mistrust there used to be the indian team in the 80s that uh, somebody like uh, manoj prabhakar went and learned reverse swing by himself nobody mm-hmm. taught him but he didn't share it with the others <laughs> oh wow <laughs> with anybody else. because i don't like, i don't blame him i don't blame him because that was the team where these guys will if if you get them for a candid chat where they they will know they won't be quoted they'll tell you they didn't go to matches thinking they'll win they would just go to matches thinking hey i need to do this to secure my place for the next mm. game and so from that era you were moving to an era where you know you could you wanted to you, you expected to win games and shrinath kumble dravid tendulkar this was the core that was building which was going to give to the next generation which was going to pass the baton to the next generation although not tendulkar <laughs> i think he's still playing <laughs> <laughs> there's another headline for this one <laughs> sachin is still playing no, but yeah uh, going back to what uh, usman was saying as well that Pakistan were uh, more mercurial than most I think leading up to the 99 World Cup as well Pakistan had had won the series against India in Toronto mm. they had won 
both i think the pepsi cup all those beverage names the pepsi cup the coca cola cup so again what happened then in that world cup versus their i mean the versus their neighbors i don't like to use the phrase arch rivals too many times but versus versus their neighbors and a side they have never beaten in the world cup this was now the third attempt and they lost once again you know i think even until that stage i i a world cup rivalry at least i don't think it was a big deal no. because you know mm-hmm. there had only been two world cup games i think and pakistan had lost both of them and that was fine i don't think it was a big deal and i, I think that just happened because i, I think india fought pakistan on a bad day yeah uh that day which you know again like we had said that pakistan was veering up and down fluctuating and this was genuinely a bad day that they got pakistan on it was only after that i think when the centurion game happened that actually mm-hmm. like people started talking about this you know that india beating pakistan at a world cup and oh my god is it going to play on pakistan's mind is it not and so i think until that until even 99 it was mostly that india caught pakistan on a bad day that day mm-hmm. uh and of course there was great context around it that you know that was a, the issue was that there was all this like kargil was happening yeah, they had yeah. had this move towards friendship and suddenly kargil happened and all these things so i think that made it a bigger deal than the actual game was yeah it was actually in 2003 that when pakistan had a good team the india was chasing a big target and i don't think they had a good team <laughs> I think that very bad. 2003 was actually one of their worst world cup teams for a while. No, Said Anwar was over the hill, Taufik Umar was in that side, Wasim and Waqar were both finished. Uh even Saklan was, you know, coming towards an end. Yeah. It was only a, a year after that that Virendra Sehwag killed off Saklan's career, you know. So I I think that side is greatly vastly overrated in the memory. Pakistan's team and India was a much better side by 2003. India was much more cohesive in fact yeah. you know that was the main thing i think they were a much more cohesive unit under ganguly than than pakistan had been by that stage for a few years i think so did it matter then for pakistan particularly considering they lost in that game that they hadn't played india leading up to the 2003 world cup for what was it almost 3 years that they hadn't faced india in a would it would it have mattered in their preparations in the way they the looked the 2003 at, game you're talking the 2003 game correct uh, you know even the, like i i still think even in, in at that stage with if although wasim and wakar both were you know shells of their former selves i think just the confidence that they used to bring to a field would would have meant that i don't think the players were particularly bothered that they had not played india by then like just mm-hmm. you know you walk out into a field with wasim akram even if he's 36 year old wasim akram who has not taken you know wickets or played that much over the last 2 years you're still walking onto the field with wasim akram So if you speak to guys like Azhar Mahmood who were a bit younger than and and even Taufik or Yunus Khan they used to think that walking out onto the field with Wasim and Wakar and Inzi there how can we lose who cares if it's India and we haven't beaten them or played them we're still going to beat them and Shoaib you know Shoaib never he's lacked for many things in his life but self confidence perhaps is not one of them you know so I, I, yeah i think like generally they probably still believed that they could do it but you know reality is that physically boss things catch up with you very quickly so is that when monga that uh, we would probably start seeing a switch in terms of this india versus pakistan rivalry i think post 2003 Let, let's call it the mocha mocha era the mocha mocha yeah <laughs> which which went away for four years because uh, these two guys ditched everybody and didn't even play the game in 2007 which is yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why <laughs> Which is one of the topics for our come to think of it. Teaser, yes. teaser. Uh, 2007 <laughs> was a great World Cup, says Sid Monga. It, it <laughs> bad rep because of India and Pakistan. Uh, also because of death. So, but then, listener, please stay tuned to that. Go to cricketinfo.com. Look for it every day. Or Harris <laughs> Monga. I mean, he's not on social media, but find a way. 
to and is, you guys do you guys handle, oh you don't know his handle so find his handle <laughs> and tweet to him and ask him where is his come to think of it from the 2007 world cup but do you guys miss the clashes like i remember watching it again our friends at star sports obviously in india played each of these games for us over the past week and uh, uh, i remember seeing at the end of the match in bangalore that the paper burning across in the stands or the crowd rushing on the field after <laughs> was it 1999 and the commentator having yeah, to tell, tell the crowd literally to behave at the post match presentation ceremony when i think both wasim and azhar were there on stage telling them to behave and even the presentation that when in 96 when was it devagauda who was uh, on on stage and there were about 50 people behind him standing <laughs> there when these guys had to come and give the interview do, do you miss that atmosphere Well, it's it's great for storytelling this atmosphere, but uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in the stands where there are bonfires and crackers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like you know, I I I think Monga, you started just at the end of that last phase of friendship that the two countries had, right? Uh, you started at his writing. Like I I remember being like covering the 2003 the big series in Pakistan, then the return one in India. then there was another series in india uh, and then another in pakistan and they were playing each other in asia cups all the time and yeah. i remember thinking towards the end of that cycle that okay enough you know they're playing too much they have to stop like they can't be like you know killing the golden goose or whatever and then but i remember that there was even in those like matches there were moments like i'll never forget the karachi odi the first one uh, in 2004 uh, where india put up 349 pakistan chased they got 345 or whatever and the atmosphere like that was one of my first games that i covered live actually and i don't think i will ever come across a game like that ever again like the the noise in the crowd and the atmosphere and the goodwill you know incidentally the goodwill there was a lot of indian fans who had come over for that game and just the goodwill in the crowd and throughout that tour um you know if, if you can recreate that and if it takes like you know 15 years of not playing to recreate that emotion again i don't mind man because that emotion that was a special special thing yeah uh, it, it was, really uh, was. it was organic it was not you know the kind yeah. of things that happen in grounds today where you know between balls forget between overs between balls you have the dj playing this loud music you can't hear yourself <laughs> think you can't concentrate on the field changes you can't you don't know what is happening in the ground because i don't know maybe they don't want you to do that much that and then start analyzing and then getting maybe bored of the game <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> uh, but yeah as long as it doesn't get into you know uh burning paper yeah and, and having bonfires <laughs> yeah. in the stands with the safety standards that we had back in the day <laughs> I, i think which is which is what led to a day where we can't even take a pen into the ground these days yeah it's yeah. in india and, and and in a lot of places not just india but you know it, it the the atmosphere like when 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 it is a good atmosphere at an india pakistan game i think there is very little like it in in cricket certainly there's very little like it i mean i you know we had a great atmosphere for the world cup final last year but like to match an india pakistan game atmosphere when it's a good game and it's and it's a good crowd it's it's almost impossible to match i think this is this is a great story of this atmosphere that uh, shariar khan formerly of asian cricket council told me mm-hmm. last year i met up with him in london he told me this story i think it was uh, it was in the 90s only uh, uh, both india and pakistan happened to be there and a local businessman organized a game azaruddin 11 versus miyada 11 like strictly an exhibition game in suburban london uh, <laughs> these big big money floating around of course <laughs> I, i don't vouch for the 
yeah. authenticity of the game. <laughs> yeah. So, and both the teams got late to come to the ground, and it starts late in the afternoon. There are no floodlights. This in between, and you know, it's just exhibition game. So fast bowlers are you know holding themselves back, not bowling bouncers or yorkers. Suddenly, one wicket falls. Somebody and pitch invasions are like normal. Yeah. <laughs> So somebody nicks Vaka Yunus's chain. <laughs> and this is given to him by his mom. Oh my god. And I doubt the veracity of that story, but anyway, I, we'll go along with the mum we'll go along with the mum excuse. I checked with Vakar and he's, he's he's not gonna tell you that it was not from his mom. <laughs> <laughs> but he vaguely remembers an incident where uh, <laughs> So, yeah. No, no, I meant, I meant, I'm sure the chain happened. I'm, I'm not sure it came from his mom. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even check with him where he got it from. <laughs> so, uh, because that's not important. What's important is that after that, and the PA is going off saying, anybody who is snatched or taken or found Vakayunus's chain, please return to him. Good luck with that. That's not happening. So, <laughs> oh my word. Vakar, Vakar is losing it and it's getting dark. And he is just letting it drip now. Yorkers, bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody to stop him. Angry Makar in the evening. And that, that's where Sharia says that's when he first saw Sachin. And Sachin was like getting right behind the ball, playing it <sighs> down into his toes. Oh. And <laughs> What's he so, doing doing that in a limit Rovers game? He should be pulling it off his nose into the stands for six. Not when it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> So if the person who stole Vakar's chain is listening in to this podcast, please, you can return it now as well. Like send it to the Cricket Info offices, wherever in the world you live. We'll tweet to us. We'll get you in touch. But the, we'll, uh, we'll eBay it. We'll eBay it and sell it. Yeah, for, for sure. We'll, 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 we'll get it to Vakar if you still have it with you. The last thing I wanted to talk about and what I observed watching these games also, wasn't the commentary a lot less restrictive like I remember we were discussing on Slack about Imran Khan's commentary I think during the was it during the 96 and it was was shocking to me like they were discussing ball tampering openly like uh, like they, they they were literally discussing ball tampering on air. There was talks about when pubs are open till what time. I remember during the 1996 in Bangalore. I think generally yeah I think generally I mean the, the commentary you know uh, was generally more organic in that time. I, I don't I think there were less strictures on what you could and couldn't talk about. There was less push on getting certain messages like promotional messages through which has come in now you know that you have to kind of push these messages through and it, it, I, I think you know and I'm an old old fuddy duddy but I'm sure Monga also agrees that it added to like it added to the fun of a game you know mm-hmm. because and there was uh, there was no pressure on the commentators to sound excited if there was a boring spell of play going on mm-hmm. and yeah. also the other thing that I noticed was it was the commentary was much more insightful they, they of course didn't have the data that even even Imran. <laughs> yes, even Imran. Even Imran. I know. Had, I know. I know you saying. I know yeah. saying that he was. He, Imran could be like Imran could. He he is uh, usually guilty of you know talking about playing with a big heart. Playing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking in platitudes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but even he made a point saying, and he didn't have data to back it up, but their minds are just computers because they've seen somebody like Javed mm. Mehta. You've seen him play. For so many years, so he said, "If if there's anybody Javed can hit, it's Venkat Pati Raju, because he's good against spin." Yeah, and you check the innings. This mm-hmm. Niyadad hit only two boundaries. 
and they were both of muscles. Both of both of muscles. And <laughs> so, uh, and there were other things about how uh, you know India had 49 overs to bowl. India got uh, nine of them bowled by part timers, and uh, the tenth one, Azhar still got a tenth one out of Jadeja. So everybody's mm. like. At least I'm doing live commentary and I'm t- typing it out. Hey, is there a miscalculation or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gavaskar on commentary says, I think that's a good move because uh, today, if you see, uh, only the bowlers with pace on the ball have got hit. So maybe he's getting one Srinath over out of the way. What happens? Srinath comes on. First ball, Rashid Latif backs away, hits a six. Second ball, he uses the pace and goes third man and it's four. Four, four right? Yeah. Yes. So, in the end, it was Srinath who didn't bowl out and mm-hmm. he was the most expensive bowler on the day. So these guys and, didn't. And- and Gavaskar called this basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you rarely see them making these points these days because I, maybe they've been made lazy. I don't know what. Maybe the producers back then could actually demand. Hey, I think the roles have been become more delineated as well. Like you know, like Sky has their third man, which is like the space for a an, deeper analysis or whatever. I think maybe they feel like you know, and they get fed so much information from directors and producers that I think. They kind of, maybe, I don't know, not across the board. There are some very good commentators still out there. Like, you know, I, I listen to Nasser and Athar's all day. Yeah, no, no uh, doubt. Sometimes. So uh, maybe it's, you know, complacency, like you say. But definitely the point is true that I think it used to be a lot more organic and, and thus just just truer to the game. Uh, okay. Uh, to, to, to be fair to Nasser Sir and Michael Athar, I, I must rephrase and say, given the amount of data and information available, available to them, that commentary was surprisingly insightful. Yeah. Okay, that, that's great. So one last word from the two of y'all. 1996 to 2003, India versus Pakistan. How does the world remember it? How will y'all remember it? How will the two teams remember this period in their in their ODI journeys? I, I remember it as, I, I think I'll remember that period and thereafter as the, the, the moment I think that the 86, the Hava of Medad's 86-6 kind of started eroding. Over India. Yeah, and India India started to believe. India went through their own corruption scandal. They came back. It, this, these nine years are full of action. They, mm. They're still still unbeatable at home, mostly. Even again, even with an inexperienced inexperienced against Australia, when Australia was just uh, steamrolling everyone, they still managed to come back and win the series. So, in between that, they have they've ridden a lot of troughs and highs and lows, and they. Pakistan, which was like a boogie team, they started to believe against Pakistan during this period. Even though they had one tri-series at home where they lost every game to Pakistan, I think. <laughs> which one was this? Oh, 98 or something, was it? The, uh, was it the Pepsi Cup with the Sayed Anwar's 190? I, think, I remember Rashid Khan was bowling. And yeah, so was, was that in Toronto where they lost 4-1? to? No, uh, no, no, it was not. And we forget Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> well, Sahara Cup, is, yeah. <laughs> There's there's a good reason to forget all those games. (laughs) 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 On that note. On that note. On that note, anyway. Thanks, Osman. Thanks, Munga. Thanks for having us, guys. Now, if you've been on ESPNPickInfo.com recently, you'd have come across our new video series, One on One, where Rana Kapoor catches up with some of our favorite cricketers and finds out what they're up to during this period of shutdown. First up is Robin Uttapa. Take it away, Ronak. So here we are all stuck in our homes in these testing times. We're not going to deprive all of you of content. I'm delighted to introduce the very first episode of ESPN Trick Info, one of one, the work from home edition. I'm Ronak Kapoor and I'm joined by not one but two Uttapas. 
at the other end. We're supposed <laughs> to do this interview with Robin, but Robin's given us a nice little surprise. He's got little Neil Uthappa with him as well, or Neil Nolan Uthappa. Robin, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. And first question is uh, going to be: I hope everyone is safe and healthy at home. Yes, everyone is absolutely safe and healthy at home. I hope everyone's safe and healthy in your place as well. Yeah? Your family is safe as well. Absolutely, these are tough times, testing times. So we're still going to try and uh, see what you guys are up to. I think that's the only thing. We're all cricket fans that are so deprived of cricket that the only thing mm-hmm. left now is to actually go into your living rooms, which is what I think uh, we've done, <laughs> and see what's going on, what's happening in the life of Robin Uthappa these days. What are you up to other than being a full-time dad? <laughs> well, uh, I, I get I get time to actually make up for all the time that I missed uh, being at home during the season. So. My wife gets a little bit of a reprieve uh, from a lot of duties, so but I'm enjoying it. I love it. Uh, you know, most of my day goes with him. Uh, we spend the, you know, we start off by about seven, seven thirty in the morning, and then we go on till seven thirty in the evening till this little man of ours goes to sleep, and then in between all of that, we kind, we try and you know do things that kind of you know keep our mind occupied, keep it fresh. Uh, so I do different things, or you know, entertaining him. You have to keep doing different. Different things at different points because you know they they get bored really easily. So you know, and we've <laughs> we've tried to limit as much screen time as possible. Uh, but we've actually maybe failed a little bit in 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 this time because after a point you run out of ideas in your mind as to how to entertain these yeah. kids. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, otherwise we just train. Uh, and then once Neil goes to sleep, then we get a little bit of time uh, to kind of catch up on movies or you know watch something during the day. I'm really keen to know. I mean, I know it's so frustrating for the fans, desperate for some action. Of course, once things normalize and once the situation gets better, but what's it like for the cricketers? Are you enjoying the downtime, or is it a little bit frustrating because this is supposed to be peak cricket season for us? Well, for someone like me who's playing domestic cricket and you know looking forward to the IPL every year, uh, it's something that yeah. you know we kind of this is the crescendo of the season, right? So for us, everything kind of builds up to this point. So everything that you do at the in the back of your mind, you're always preparing for this as well. You know, you're making sure that you're fit in time for this. Uh, you know, any any niggles that are there are sorted out by the time this comes around. So this is a this is a pretty important point in our in our in our lives, right? Especially the fact because everything in the house also revolves around the same way. You know, you you kind of plan your whole year. You know, in a in a way like this this is what you're building up for, and then you take a break. You know, but this has suddenly come and played a little bit of havoc in in how uh, you know our, our year goes by. Uh, but yeah. having having said that, we've uh, kind of made the adjustment because uh, you know Neil's extremely entertaining. He's a he's a funny <laughs> kid, and uh, you know he makes he doesn't doesn't make it feel like we're uh, you know we're bored so to speak or you know we're we're, we're cooped up at home. Yes, at times it it is frustrating for him as well, and he says so. We take him up to the terrace, and then he says, "No home, no home." He says uh, he doesn't want to go home; he wants to stay out. And uh, but so if I go to the gym, then he makes sure he comes with me to the gym, uh, which is which is in the basement. So you know, we go down there, we spend an hour there. So the things that we keep keep ourselves busy with, but it's definitely played havoc with with our mind in a way. So sometimes you kind of in this in these kind of situations, sometimes we face these situations like in rain interrupted matches. Like you want, yeah, to, you're yeah. really keen about going and playing, but suddenly rain plays spoiled sport, and then you're supposed to, you're sometimes too keyed on, and then you know you 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 end up not doing too well because you're overawed and you you're spent mentally by the time you reach that place of yeah. playing the game again. You need to be able to switch off, and then you just take that and then you kind of expand it into a month long thing where you're saying, okay, now just switch yeah. off. You know, till a, till a couple wow. of weeks ago, I was 
you know, getting my body used to the IPL time where I was sleeping at 2.33 in the morning, waking up at 11. You know, the family made the adjustment around that. And Neil, you know, you, you spoke to him and you told him that, you know, dad is going to be available. He's going to be sleeping till 11, 11.30, you know. And, right. uh, you know, we got all that going for a few weeks. And then suddenly this happened. And once the lockdown came around, then we knew that, you know, it's time for us to shift, our, you know, not to be so switched on, so to speak. So we've switched off and I've gone back to sleeping regular timings where I wake up by 7, 7.30 in the morning and, you know, and go, go, through, a, uh, go through my day naturally. Uh, so you're an avid reader, I picked that. Are there a lot of readers in the teams that you played with? Um, Doesn't strike. It seems like a commodity no, that's going yeah, fashion. Out of fashion. Honestly, as in, it's, a, it's, it's to be very honest, I, I, I read books. It's quite challenging for yeah. me, but but to read books because I enjoy listening more. And on the at the onset of audiobooks, I've been so grateful because I can I feel like I pay more attention to uh, you know listening to, while listening to books. I pay more attention, and I'm I, I realize even when I studied for examinations when I was in school and college, I uh, learnt better or understood better when someone's reading out to me than when I was actually reading your own book. So if, if, I, if I was reading my own book, I had to read it loudly for me to kind of understand it. But if I was studying with my best friend and I would just tell him, bro, just read it loudly and I would, I would get it, man. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, you know, it, it would register a hundred percent. And in fact, very recently, uh, as a family, we did this, um, um, we did this brain mapping thing. And, uh, in that yeah. brain mapping thing, we figured that I'm someone who's, who's more, uh, who's more audio orient, oriented than video oriented. So, so for me, Reading is not something that 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 will that goes well with me. Listening is what is what applies to me and and works for me. So that was like again a reconfirmation of of what works for me. So help me out with what's the best some of the best stuff you've either read or heard recently. What's just stayed with you? Oh well, I read anything I read, that comes I, to mind. I read tons of stuff. Yeah, I've, uh, right now I'm reading. What are you reading food, at the moment? Yeah, I'm reading a yeah. food science book. Uh, it's called uh, Food WTF. Um, uh, before that, I read a book called uh, Sapiens by. Uh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I read Sapiens. It's it's a that was a wonderful book. All right, no, no, I can see you're you're totally uh, you're a big you're an avid reader. What about uh, stuff that you watch online? Are you a big binger of shows? Are you watching something at the moment that's keeping you hooked Quite on? Quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I I watched the test. I, I watched the whole thing. I think in two or three days I finished the the entire. So <clears throat> in spite of having Neil around at home, in two or three days I finished the it's entire the series. Piece. The, the Aussies are trying really hard to show us that they've changed. Yeah, yeah they are. They, have. <laughs> they are, aren't they? That was just a teaser. For full episodes of One on One, head over to ESPNCrickInfo.com right now. This was ESPN Crick Info Stump Mike. Use hashtag Stump Mike and reach out to us on Twitter or any other social media platform. Until next time, stay clean, stay safe.